Today's episode is a bonus episode, hyper-focused on books and reading. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Quick plug before we get to our guest introduction today. If you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter. A couple of times per week, you'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're going to love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com backslash newsletter. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success for them throughout their career? And then we take all those insights and we apply it to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, usually we do have somebody from sports and entertainment on the episode. Today is no different, but today is different because we're doing a, a little bit of a mini bonus episode to throw in there. Um, what we're doing right now, we're going through our subscriber list because we have a lot of really cool people that listen to our show and constantly interact with us. And one of those people that we wanted to highlight today and sit down with is Justin Doherty. Now, Justin, if you don't know him, Justin is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Relations at the University of Wisconsin. He's been there for almost 27 years. And in his current role, Justin has oversight of athletic communications, digital content, marketing, community relations, environmental branding and graphics, video services, FOIA requests. He's the liaison to the Big Ten Network. He's sports administrator for men's and women's basketball programs, the spokesperson for Wisconsin athletics. Justin does a lot of cool things. But the real reason why I wanted to have Justin on the show is that Justin is constantly learning. One of the, the first things that really stood out to me when I first started getting to know Justin was that he told me that he was in Seth Godin's Alt-MBA course. And for those of you that don't know, it's a totally outside take on continuing education from one of the best marketers in the world, Seth Godin. It's just really interesting the way that Justin's brain works and the way that he processes and learns information. Right now, Justin and I are on a 25 books in a year, not competition, but more of a hold each other accountable to it kind of thing. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit in the episode. But we get a lot of questions here as well asking, what are you reading? How do you guys consume and create content? And so Justin has written four books of his own. He's a massive reader. So I wanted to sit down with Justin and he and I in this episode kind of trade notes on how we read, how we take notes, uh, and how we process information because the two of us are constantly learning. So little bonus episode, not our full normal episodes that you normally get from us, but bonus episode for those of you that are interested. Let's jump into this episode with Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Finally. <laughs> Finally, I appreciate it. No, kidding. It's awesome. Great to be here. Thanks. You're like, why have you waited this long to ask me on, man? <laughs> it's all good. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. Uh, special episode today. Uh, you and I were talking on the phone the other day, and we were like, we should do an episode just talking about books and and content, uh, how we consume it. 
best practices, favorite books, all that kind of thing. So this is going to be a little bonus episode uh, for the viewers, but I, I, I got to give a little bit of background, Justin, on why you're eminently qualified to jam out on this topic. Uh, how many books have you written? Let, let's. Why don't we start there? How many books have you written at this point? Uh, four. Um, I, I did four. I did uh, all about Badger football since that's where I've worked for the past 26 and a half years. Um, Makes sense. But yeah, we and and probably three of the four of them were what I would sort of call kind of formulaic, you know, kind of, um, you know, like there's tales from the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, sidelines type of thing. And but there's also tales from the Texas Longhorns and tales from the USC Trojans and all that. So, um, uh, and, but, and those are fun. I mean, it's, it's fun to do and, and, you know, you, you learn a lot and, and you, you, you know, you learn how to, you know, you learn how to sort of put, put something like that together. The one that I'm, the one that I really kind of enjoyed and I really enjoyed the process of was, um, I did one about the day that Ron Dane broke the uh, mm-hmm. NCAA rushing record here and just really f- kind of focused on a, on a, on a moment, on a day, on a game. And, um, and then, you know, you weave a narrative around that. And, and um, that was fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that. And just being able to kind of, uh, like I said, take a, take a moment that was special in this athletic department's history. And, um, and I, the, the, you know, the, the fun part of it is you, you dig, you, you unearth all these stories that people, you know, that fans have and the players have and staff has and so on. So anyway, that, that was really enjoyed that one. All right, we're going to go out of order here. I know we got a, a Google Doc here with some different bullets, but why don't we why don't we start there as you're talking about it? I mean, as, as you you obviously read a lot of books as well, and we'll get into that and some of the favorite books and and most recommended and all that. Uh, but first, as you're as you're talking about writing, let's talk about our note taking process. You obviously read a ton, and for a project like writing a, a book you've got to take a ton of different notes. So when you're reading and you're consuming content, whether it be digitally or manually in person, I mean, what is your note-taking process like? I, t- I tend to be more of like a highlighter <laughs> type. Okay. Like phys- physical, physical highlighter? Like, Well, I, what, I, what I've been doing a lot um, recently is, so books that I'll download to an iPad mm-hmm. um, and just like, you know, highlighting them just did electronic, you know, right on the, right in the, uh, right in the, right through the iPad, obviously. Okay. So as opposed to writing notes separately and in, in that kind of thing. Um, so, 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 that, so not a, not a Kindle guy, you're an iPad guy for reading. I have, yes, I've been an iPad guy. Um, okay. I've, I've, I have three, four, three forms of reading right now. One is audio, one is iPad and one is an actual hard, you know, paper book. Okay. So when you're when you're thinking about highlighting and, and taking notes on the iPad, let's start there, and then we'll go into the other two formats. Um, how, like, how how do you are you just underlining stuff? Are you making notes on the side? I mean, talk us through literally. Like, how do you and do you refer back to those notes? I mean, give us give us some of the breakdown because I think a lot yeah. of our listeners are reading and listening to stuff, but this is something that always I think is interesting. Yeah, I think you know again with the. Um, with the, with the different formats, you're kind of digesting it different ways, I think. Um, but I also, uh, you know, whatever, whatever strikes me, you know, whatever, you know, you read things that you want to remember, you read things that are really interesting, you read things that you think might, 
um, help you in some way per, in your personal life or in your professional life. And um, you may, you might take a, you might just have a notebook next to you that you're, that you jot a few thoughts down. Um, again, in the, in the digital format, I, I, I'll, I'll actually just like with my finger or the stylus, just, you know, highlight stuff. Um, uh, and then, yeah, you you know, you, you refer back to, you refer back to things, uh, occasionally, but, um, I tend to be a little bit of a done with that book. Let's get on to the next one type of person. So I don't, I don't like generally spend a whole lot of time, you know, looking back at looking back at stuff. If, if there's something that I think is really helpful and that you can take forward, then I'll, I'll do that. But, um, not like a copious note taker when I'm reading. I'm, I'm trying to get better about that. Cause I, so I do the same thing as you, I'm a underline it, but then in the margins of the page, I'll write like a quick, a quick, couple words as to like why I underline that or how I think it might be used. So mm-hmm. I might, I might, when I underline it, I might write on the side like client work or content idea or something, something along those lines so that I can go back to it. Now, what I don't have is to your point, a good process for going back and reviewing said notes. Uh, I'd love to say that like quarterly I take a weekend and I go out to a hotel and I bring all my books in a suitcase and I like go through the notes and put them into it. I don't do that. And I think it's something I'd like to do, but is there, is there any process that you have for going back and reviewing those notes or it's more like you're underlining in the moment and maybe helps it stick a little bit better. I think the second thing, um, I I wish I had a better, I wish I had a better process for sort of, you know, like systematically, um, cataloging things and, and, and really, but I don't, I, I find that, uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's probably worth the time, but it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's time consuming to do that. And, and so you're kind of, I tend to be a little bit more on the fly, learn, learn as you learn as you go kind of thing. What about when you're writing? So going back to like the, telling the story about the, the single day with Ron Dane, right. Uh, as he broke the record it, for note taking with a specific purpose like that, is your note taking different? Um, I, I'd be, as opposed to just a kind of general knowledge information, like when you're reading with intention on a specific topic or you're reviewing information on a specific topic, is your note taking different? Yeah, that, I mean the book, the book writing tends, so I, I, I'm probably, I'm probably at the opposite end of the spectrum from the hmm. reading, right? So okay, you're, tell us. I'm, I tend to be really detailed and really, um, uh, you know, I, like I want to know every, everything, every little detail that you can find. And then what you're doing is you're taking all of that information and you're trying to figure out what's, you know, what's important, what, what belongs in the book, what doesn't belong in the book, how does it weave into the narrative? Um, uh, you know, I, I think I, in my mind, when you're, when you're writing and I think when you're reading a book, you don't want to, you don't want to just read paragraphs of quotes, uh, you know, from, from people you, you, you want some interpretation by the author of, of mm-hmm. what was said. And, you know, and you're sort of depending on the author to share with you what they feel is important um, and what they, how, what they want you to know. So, um, so I think, I think that's something um, th- that's something that I, you know, is a challenge. I don't know if I'll ever write another book again. I may, I might, I mean, I still have interest in it, but um but that's a challenge, uh, I think, is kind of sifting through what's important. And then that probably applies when you're reading too, right? 
No, no question. No question. That's why I think we're talking about it. Um, the, the books that you've written, can you go through the books that you've actually written and we'll link to them in the show notes. Um, and then we'll go into some, some books, not by Justin Doherty, but, um, what, what are the, what are the books that, that you've written just to, for our listeners? Um, the one is called the Dane game and, that, and that's sort of, we like fans, fans of Wisconsin football sort of reference it that way. You know, the Dane game was the day he broke, broke the record. Um, one was called tales from the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, which was a collection of sort of short stories about the football program. Um, and then one was uh, Tales, uh, or not Tales, um, What It Means to Be a Badger, which was kind of cool. I sat down with probably, I don't know, 25, 30, 40 players and just interviewed them about what, like their experience here and what it, like, what it meant to them and what, how it transformed them. And um, you get, get into some really interesting personal stories about guys. And um, so that was cool. And then the last one I did, um, I honestly couldn't right now. I can't remember the the title, but it was a more of a, it's more of a coffee table uh, book about the history of the football program here. And I, I did it with a couple colleagues and um, it was kind of cool because it's uh, there's like little ticket stubs stuffed inside and there's uh, like pennants and press That's releases cool. and just old kind of, you know, uh, collectible stuff that's kind of weaved in there and a lot of pictures, a lot of, um, and then, and then, you know, we wove the text around it. So it's kind of cool. Like a, like a kind of a collectible coffee table type book. You've put together so many books that you can't even remember the name of one of them that you, that you wrote. I know, so, right. Isn't uh, that embarrassing? That, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's goals. That's, that's where we want to be. Right. Um, yeah, well, right. Let's, <laughs> let, let's jump into this. Um, you and I are doing something together here called, I don't know if, do we have a name for it? I mean, the 25, it's basically 25, it's basically 25 books in a year. Right. right. Um, so, so let's unpack that. I mean, let's start here. That ends up being about a book a week or not a book a week, a book every two weeks. Um, what's the best one you've read so far? And I'll share mine after. Um, the best, one, the best one I've read might be the first one I read, which was okay. green lights by Matthew McConaughey. Um, it, it's so, like it's just so entertaining and um, and interesting, and you just kind of get a different picture of of a guy that you don't know anything about other than other than you see him on the Texas football sidelines occasionally, and and obviously his movies, and um, and so it it just it was really a neat just sort of autobiographical uh, narrative along with like he drops a lot of wisdom in there and a lot of really interesting sort of life situations. And, um, and just, like I said, just does it in a really entertaining way. Do you remember any insights in particular that like stuck with you? Um, you know, I read it back in January. So, um, I, you know, I, I think, I think he like, you know, I think a lot of times you look at actors or athletes or, you know, sort of big name celebrities and, and, um, and you, you only view them through the lens of seeing them on a, in a movie mm-hmm. or seeing them on a field or, you know, whatever. And I think he, I thought just really like presented himself as he's a normal guy who had all the same issues and problems and insecurities and things that everybody else has. And, um, and I just thought it was really interesting just how he sort of navigated through things. Um, I thought he was a really interesting like a, uh, just kind of an interesting person. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the trips he's taken, some of the, 
um, uh, and, and I think some of the insights that he's gained from, from kind of his travels and, um, it was just, I just thought it was really, really kind of fascinating. And, um, and like I said, an entertaining read. I, I can't remember. Did you do that one? Did you do that on audiobook or, uh, hard, hardcover? Uh, or iPad. Uh, neither iPad. iPad. Okay. <laughs> I did. I did that one on audiobook at your recommendation. Well, I did. I read the book on your recommendation. Did it uh, via audiobook, and it was great. Like hearing him actually narrate because his voice sure. just made it ten times better. And for me, th- that take the takeaway on that book. I mean, one was like just living your life honestly. I guess is the thing. Like, I, I mean, I I'll, I'll be transparent here. Like, right there, I've talked about this before, where for so long working at Disney, everything was like show, 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 show. And, you know, on stage, off stage, uh, or uh, on stage, backstage. And, and there was really this dichotomy between the two. Um, and I, I think being the youngest guy in the room, always, I had to be super professional and super business focused. And I, I'm, I'm still four years later, still trying to shake that a little bit. And I think that was my big takeaway from the book was just kind of living, like li- living honestly, like the entire time and just being yourself at all times um, was, was really an interesting takeaway for me. And, and I, again, that whole book is like very Matthew McConaughey. Like you can hear him as he talks about wrestling, wrestling guys in African tribes (laughs) to like clear his mind. You're like, okay, that, that, that can't be a real story, but I guess it is. And that's classic Matthew McConaughey. Well, I thought there was like a kind of a spiritual thread that went through the whole thing. And yeah, at least for me in my mind. And, um, so I, I, I kind of enjoyed that part of it too, just that, um, you know, he's got real, I, I assume real stories that, uh, are all like things that legitimately happened to him. And, and, um, the trip to Australia when he was a, when he was oh, a young, yeah. uh, I think a teenager, if I remember correctly, like, yeah. and, and living with that family that he lived with and, you know, just, it, it was just, it was just kind of really interesting, interesting life he's led. All right. So my best book of the year was book 14 of wheel of time. I don't want to go too far into it cause it's probably, uh, I don't, I, it's definitely not going to be for everybody, but, uh, for people that don't know if, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a question we ask is like a, when we're doing group activities and things with clients. And, and one of those icebreakers is like, if you could teach a college course on any topic, but it has to be kind of abnormal and wouldn't be on a current college course syllabus. I need to tighten that icebreaker question, by the way. Uh, my course would be leadership through science fiction and wheel of time is excellent. Uh, so the show will be coming out on Amazon later this year, hopefully fingers crossed. And it's Jeff Bezos's attempt at like a game of Thrones and each book is like a thousand pages long. So I'm a little bit behind and I've got to catch up in my 25 books in a year challenge um, because those books really slowed me down. But the 14th book, I mean, it was just, it was so satisfying the ending where a lot of, I feel like a lot of those really epic tales, like the end doesn't quite hit the way you want it to game of Thrones being a prime example. Uh, but wheel of time, there's just so many interesting leadership lessons as you unpack the characters. Cause I think as an author in science fiction, you can really, you can really infuse real flaws into these characters and like ideal lessons of like how a leader might lead. And so I, I don't know. I think, I think there's just a lot of like solid leadership lessons that I picked up from that and, and different characteristics that are, are framed up in a scripted manner, if you will. Um, and it was just 
obviously like super entertaining. You get 14 books in and you've got deep emotional connections with these characters. So anyway, that was my favorite sure. book of the year. Um, all right. I will add that to my list. Yeah. Wheel, wheel of time. Do it. Do it. Uh, it might take you three years like it took me, but, uh, <laughs> all right. So 25 years in a, or 25 books in a year, I think can seem daunting to some people. Do you have any speed reading tips? I mean, how, when you're, when you're reading, like, have you taken speed reading courses? Like, how do you approach that? So th- this should give anybody interested in trying to read a book every two weeks. This should give them confidence. I've got to be the world's um, slowest reader. Really? So, <clears throat> I am not a fast reader. I think, I think what, I think what allows you to do it is an intentional commitment to, you know, I mean, you can either go home after work and, you know, like have dinner and, and flip the TV on for three hours and then go to bed, or you can not flip the TV on or Netflix or whatever you're, and, and like, you have to, you have to devote time to doing it. And I think during the, during the, when the pandemic was, you know, um, you know, at its height, you know, we, it felt like I had more time to, Mm -hmm. to, to do that. And I don't know what I, maybe it was the, maybe it was all of us just kind of being at home and you just sort of felt like you had more time to do that. And, um, I'm finding it tougher now as we're, you know, getting closer to football season and hopefully everything, you know, goes like we all want it to go. And, um, I'm finding it a little more challenging, um, just because we're busier at work and so on. And, um, but I, I think, I think the key to it is, because we're all so, you know, we're all running in 50 different directions. And like, I think that's key to it is intentional, um, an intentional, like you got to just say, I'm, I'm doing it. And, um, do you, do you so carve that's, out, that's my, that's my do you carve out specific time, like an hour in the morning, an hour at night, like between these and hours every night, no matter what's happening, I'm reading, like, is, do, is that when you talk about intentionality, is that what you're kind of referring to or? Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I have like a regular, you know, one hour every morning or one hour every night, that kind of thing. Um, I, I tend to, I tend to read before bed. Um, and, uh, on the weekend during the mornings on the weekends. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, and then, and, and I also have, you know, and I, I think people wonder how you do this, but I seem to be able to do it. Like I have three books going at once all the time. Same. So I've got one going on the iPad. I've got one going in the car on the audio when I'm driving to and from work. And then I've usually got a hardcover or a, you know, like a paper copy of something else going. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I, and I think that sort of plays into your mind's sort of natural tendency to kind of bounce around a little bit. So, um, if you're, if you're, if you're stuck on something, like I'm reading one of the books I'm reading right now is Stephen Hawking's, um, a brief history of time. I'm not a science person, really. I'm just reading it to try to kind of expand my own horizons. Mm-hmm. And it's a slog because I can't, it's I so much of it I just don't understand. But I'm determined to just, you know, learn what I can and, and sort of understand what I can and 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 get to the end. And um, but that's uh, you know, and then and then the other one you got is like I got that going, and then I've got one going that I just finished actually called Glory Days. Mm-hmm. Um which is about the summer of 19, the sports in the summer of 1984, which was the, um, uh, the summer between my, my senior year in high school and freshman year in college. And so I vivid memories of, you know, it's like a walk down memory lane. Um, 
in the car as I'm driving, you know, to and from work. So you got the hawking thing on one end here, whereas you're just trying to grind through it. And then you got this other one that's like really, you know, ear candy for, for me, mm-hmm. you know, from, from that time. So. That, it's like, okay. So for me, I, I definitely also has have multiple books going at the same time. I can't cross genres though. Like, or like they, like if I'm reading multiple books at the same time it has to be different genres and then I can pull insights. I can see certain things. Like if I'm reading a, a leadership book, I'll like see those lessons come to fruition in my high fantasy book. Right. And I'll, I'll you like start to contextualize some of the different concepts. If you're reading co- cross genre, at least that's what I found. Um, I, I, it's sticking with the speed reading real quick. I'll, I'll give my tips for speed reading. Cause I'm the opposite of you. Like, I feel like I read pretty fast. I listen to everything on double speed. So like, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm nice. listen, I, I listen to all my podcasts on double speed. I can't watch a YouTube video with, with like an informational video next to people next to other people. Like I, cause I, I have to be on double speed. Um, I'm like getting into the nerd side of things. Like I'm, everything in my life is like, how can I optimize this and get this done faster? Like if I'm walking from point A to point B, I'm like, okay, if I take steps faster, if I open the door this way, how can I get it done faster? So that definitely applies with reading. Uh, and for me, like reading tips, speed reading, I have found the biggest change to help me read faster is just reading with a tracer. So if you've got a pen like I feel like there's so much time that gets wasted in going back and rereading sentences and saying, okay, where was I? Or like you just lose your place. And so you go back and reread just using a pen will like double your reading speed to trace where you're going. And then, then you can start getting into like, okay, understanding peripheral vision and understanding that like you don't actually need to read every word. If you cut out like the, the words on the end, and just focus on the words in the middle, your peripheral vision will pick it up and you'll still read it. So like, if you're actually getting into it, like you, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Like Tim Ferriss has a great speed reading course or tips. Um, but yeah, those are like the two biggest ones for me that helps me get to that 25 books in a year challenge faster. Um, yeah. I may need, I may need those tips as we get, as we get into the season here and it gets busier. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to struggle too. Cause I had all these thousand page books, but, um, anyway, yeah. um, let, let's talk about maybe, maybe reading online versus reading in person and, um, books versus articles when you're reading articles online, which I think a lot of people that while they might not be reading books, if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely reading other articles and and trying to better yourself with professional development. Is there a note-taking method that you use for, for reading online? Um, you know what? It's, so this is interesting given, given what you, how we just talked about speed, speed or not mm-hmm, speed mm-hmm, reading. Mm-hmm. Um, online reading for me is really scanning oriented almost. I would say I, I, I'll, I'll read the occasional like longer article and I'll, you know, I, but, but generally speaking, I, I think you're, I think our minds, my mind probably gets trained from scrolling right mm-hmm. through Twitter or, or, you know, whatever. And, um, so I, I'll, you know, I'll text myself stuff or email myself things that I, that I want to, you know, make sure I, you know, will you text, uh, te- you'll text or email yourself like the link to the article? Is that what you do? Yeah. 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 Sometimes. I mean, if I come across stuff, but I, I find like in the digital environment, um, like when you're on the internet, I, I just find everything to be sped up at least for me. And so I'm, 
scanning through things. You know, we get we get um, uh, various um, uh, you know emails, collections of articles and stuff that we get emailed to us every morning. You know, for around college athletics stories and whatnot, and you know that stuff is all scanning. You know, and, and you're just kind of so it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up. Like that's kind of where my mind how my mind operates online versus versus taking a, a book where you know that there's a 500 page narrative or a 200 right. whatever it is and you're sort of mentally in that space of like okay i'm going to dive into this story and and digest it you know so but, it's kind of an interesting but on that note too i mean i i do think for anybody reading that or for anybody listening to this podcast if you're stuck on a book like don't hesitate to treat it like an article and just drop it and move on to the next one. I think too many people in their reading habits get stuck and we get trained as, as kids in our education system. Like you got to finish the book. And I mean, not all 500 pages are worthwhile in that 500 page book. There's bound to be some, some chapters that maybe don't hit the mark. So if you're stuck on it, just, just drop it and move on to the next one. There's, there's too many books out there. Um, and, and there's no harm. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. Maybe the author, I don't know, but they'll never know that you've dropped the book and moved on. Don't let that stop you from reading and picking up the the next book. Sure. I dropped one. I, I tend to be a little bit of, well, I tend to be a little bit of a, like I started it, so I'm going to finish it type Mm. person. (laughs) But you Um, just dropped one recently. You told me, right? I did. I did. Yeah, I did. And I, it was two and it was actually one I was listening to in the car and, you know, you know, how you listen in the car. So how you digest a book in your, like uh, through audio versus how you digest it, you know, sitting in a chair, you know, at home is kind of two, I'm finding to be kind of two different things, but, but yeah, there was one, I just, I couldn't follow it. I couldn't, it was too, there was too much, I don't know, whatever minutiae, whatever you want to call it. It was just, and I just, I was like, this is just, I'm just wasting my time here. This is just stupid to, to, <laughs> To, to keep trying to bang my head against the wall. So I just, I dropped it and moved on to something else. I hear that. Um, all right. Well, talking about books that you've not dropped, uh, what's the book that you've given most as a gift and, and why? Um, boy, that's a, uh, the Dane game by, by Justin Doherty. That's, that's a cop, no, that's I'm a cop kidding. out answer. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do you want me I'm to stall for you? I can, I can stall for you and, uh, and, and give one of mine or two of mine, but go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one that I just gave to my daughter as a gift. There you go. Um, okay. um, it's a book that I read and it was a classic, like not, not about sports. It's not about like history. It's not a biography, all the things that would sort of be in my wheelhouse. It's called untamed hmm. and it's by a woman named Glennon Doyle, um, who is, um, Abby Wambach's wife. And, um, it's just her story. She talks about her like story through, um, you know, addiction and through, um, uh, you know, like she got married, she went to her husband, she raised her family and then, and then I don't know, ended up um, leaving her husband and ended up, um, you know, marrying a, you know, this soccer star and, and sort of how they, the family, you know, their family has sort of sort of remained all together, including her husband. And there's like everybody, you know, they're trying to raise their um, kids and, um, and there's a, and there's a, you know, it's about, it's about, um, 
it's about women, about, about, you know, being a woman in this, in our, in the world, you know, and, and, um, I found like that trying to read something like that and trying to put yourself in another person's shoes to sort of do whatever you can to sort of experience that. So you understand maybe a little bit better about what someone else goes through and how they're, how they're, you know, the challenges people have. And, um, I found that really helpful. And so I, I gave that book to my daughter just, uh, just recently I mailed it out to her. It, that's a great one. And, and you and I have talked about this before of like, I need to get more out of my, not river of expertise, but I, I tend to read so many things that are like functional and directly applicable to what I'm working on right now, or what I think I'm going to be working on in the next couple of years. Um, and I don't, I, I'm just now starting to get a little bit more into the biography space and really trying to put myself in other people's shoes. But that's a great example, Justin, of, of you reading something that's definitely putting, taking you out of your shoes and putting yourself into somebody with a totally different life experience. Um, shoes to be able to bring that knowledge and insight and perspective into everything that you do in life. Um, I think a uh, book for me that I've given the most, I'd say, Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something on that? No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I'm going to, I'm your answer was so good. And I'm going to give like a just classic, like entrepreneur bro answer, which is <laughs> book. I've book I've given the most is definitely four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Uh, I mean mm. that, uh, have you read that? I haven't actually. And if if you've given that as a gift that many times, then I should read it. So I I can't tell you how many times I've given it, but, and and I mean, the the main premise around it is, is like, yes, there's a lot of it around optimization and the, the book, the title Tim has said, he's like, I wish I could go back and change the title because it's like, you're not ever going to work a four hour work week. That's not the point. The point of it is like, how can you, how can you free up? a lot of your time doing the daily monotonous stuff to focus on kind of purpose. And so there's a great parable in there that I think sets the tone. Like he talks about being, being in, uh, being on the plane, coming back from Vegas with uh, this big entrepreneur, who's was a big millionaire, but he's gone through three divorces and every day he's just waking up and focused on making more money, but there's no purpose in the guy's life. And so a lot of the book is actually, even though it's called four hour work week is focused on that. And it, it tells the parable of, uh, the businessman that goes fishing with the the guy, the fisherman in Mexico, and he just has the best fishing trip ever. And he tells the fisherman, "Hey, the lo- the little local fisherman, hey, like we could blow this up, we can make this into a big business. Let's go!" Like, and and the fisherman's like, "Why would I do that?" And he's like, "Well, you know, you could grow, and eventually, you know, you could get a team of fishermen underneath you, and they're taking people out, and you'll be making tons of money." And the guy's like, why? And he's like, well, with, with all that money, you can do whatever you want to do. And the fisherman's like, all I want to do is fish. And I'm doing that right now. And so anyway, there, it's, it's just an incredible book around like, why is it that you're coming? Why is it that you're doing work and really finding like truly what are the goals that you want to have in life? And then how can you build work around those goals? Um, so I, I don't know, definitely the most, one of the most impactful books for me and books that I've given the most. Um, what about, let me, let me switch it real quick to you. I know we're going to, we're running short on time here. Are you, do you have a hard stop or? Uh, no, I can go a little longer. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go a couple more minutes. Um, most impactful book in your life that you read. Most impactful book that I've read in my life. Um, I, I don't like, I don't know if I, I don't know that I have one. I honestly, I it's, it's. What's the first um, one that came to your mind? The first one that came to my mind, um, we can always, was, we can always revise your answer on Twitter. 
well, the first one that came to my mind was uh, that I really enjoyed and was found really interesting was Steve Jobs' autobiography or Steve Jobs' biography um, so that good. by um, Walter Isaacson, um, yeah. who who actually is like he has written some really interesting books. You talk about books that get you out of your out yeah. of your comfort zone, but he's such a he's such a readable writer about complex topics that. I read it. I read a 700 page biography that he wrote on Albert Einstein, which if that's not out of my, you know, if that's not out of my comfort zone, I don't know what is, but like, it was really good. And he wrote the jobs biography. Um, he also wrote Codebreaker, which is a mm-hmm. book that I read this year about um, gene editing. And um, there's even a tie in to um, uh, even a tie into like the vaccines that, you know, or the COVID vaccines and mRNA and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, I, that, that was one that came to mind right off right off the bat. Um, I, I know Katie, who does so many things for us at Engagement. Uh, one of the things that she does is produce the show. She's, I think her her buttons on like permanent mute the way the software is set up. But otherwise, I know she would be chiming in because th- that book was was definitely impactful for her as well. Um, and I, I just finished it. That was which, one of my more recent ones. Oh, go ahead. Which one's that? The the, one? jo- the Steve Jobs one. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. the Steve Jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned you yeah. mentioned a few books. Um, yep. Yeah, the the Steve Jobs one is is really interesting about I mean, it, it's so antithetical to me. I feel like a lot of times as a leader I'm always like too nice uh and sometimes I get walked over, which is absolutely not the case with Steve Jobs. He was a total douche uh in a lot of times and <laughs> that's and like and uh, one of the takeaways I took was like sometimes you have to be a douche to get change to happen, really. Uh to push to move forward and, and really innovate, like sometimes you you have to have a little bit of that edge. Now, I don't need to be making people cry in meetings, but um, I could probably use a little bit more edge, like Jobs had. No, um, but change. I think I think change happens when, like, lots of times change happens through. I don't want to say force, but the force is probably not the right, maybe not the right word, but but through, you know, it requires some pushing and yeah. some pulling and and you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's your staff or your, or in your own, your own life for yourself or, you know, societal changes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, it, whatever it might be, you know, oftentimes things, you know, things change when, when, um, you know, when people make them change and, and, sure. or, or attempt to make things change. And, um, you know, there's a fine line there, I think, between how it's, how you do it, but, um, there has to be some intentionality about it. I think there's no question about that. Great. Most impactful book for me, uh, uh, the Bible for sure. Right. Right. I go back to it every Sunday. Uh, I'm back, I'm back in it almost every day. Uh, I try to be at least, um, definitely the most impactful for me, uh, like without question, but, uh, um, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other final words of advice? Uh, I mean, we didn't get into some of the other things, like how do you prioritize what to read? I, I, I mean, feel free to share that if you got time real quick, but, uh, if not any final words of advice for people trying to read more and, and, and read more intentionally. You know what I've, well, just something I've done. And so my, my list of books that I'm have is a lot longer than 25. And what I had done at the beginning of the year was I sat down and I picked 25 books that I, I said, okay, these are the 25 books I'm going to try to read. And, and I've, and I've let myself, I've let some of those, I've eliminated some of them. I've added to the list. And now I probably have, I don't know, there's probably 50 books that I, so I'll, 
when I see a recommendation, when somebody recommends me a book or something, or I read something on Twitter, or I read a review about something, and I go, oh, that sounds interesting. And so I'll add them to my list. So I have this really long list that I can now kind of just pick from whenever it's time to, like, I need, like, I'll need a new audio book now that I'm done with Glory Days, right? So I got this long list and I can just pick from something. And I find that that um, makes it like a less rigid thing. And you're just sort of, hey, what, whatever strikes me on July, whatever today is, July 16th, like, I'll, I'll, I'll so let's read that now, you know? So um, I think giving yourself the flexibility to just kind of, um, you know, uh, makes it makes it less, you know, like I said, less kind of rigid and less of a project as, as opposed to um, just something something fun that you're that you're doing and you're learning things. And um, so anyway, that's kind of how I've been, been going about it. I love it. Yeah. And I've got my running list of books and I try to sit down and say these are 25. But yeah, you're right. I mean, those have changed and I've started some and been like, ah, I'm not reading that right now. I'm not in a mental space for that. And I, I think there's a time and place for every book, a, right. a season that fits in. Um, I'm definitely reading, like, usually I'm always reading something for fun, um, something that's going to elevate just like general mental for me. And then there's like a specific project one. So like reading something like Chief Customer Officer or Actionable Gamification, something that's like functional to like what we're sure. actually working on from a project's perspective. Um, all right. Well, that's a good place to wrap us Uh if anybody has book recommendations for Justin or I, uh, slide into our Twitter DMs or just mention us. Uh, Justin, where can people reach you if they've got book recommendations for you or uh, or, or any other type of recommendation or just want to hang out? Um, I mean, my Twitter's Twitter's the best. Find me on what, Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Do you have it? Do you have it off the top of your head? It's it's yeah, it's actually at JD at Wisconsin. So it's that at sign JD and then the words at Wisconsin. I was going to say, you have two at signs in your Twitter handle? I didn't confused, even know it was possible. Yeah, it's confusing. We'll I link to it. a long time ago. We created a long time before we understood what Twitter even was. So We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, so if anybody oh, ever wants to get in touch with Justin, um, feel free to send either of us, I, uh, or either Justin or I book recommendations. We're trying to add to it. Um, and yeah, thanks for tuning into this special book focused episode, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate the time. Right. Thanks, David. Today's episode is brought to you by Checked In, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic. And with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, and it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked-In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season? Or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally, and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked In has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N dot app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes.
Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.